took it for granted. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Madness. Uh, Kyle, it's been a year. Uh, we have had such a long year here at the Mouse Madness Podcast. We hit uh, 100 episodes Yep. with uh, our best Disney sing-along songs VHS episode. <laughs> we, we, did, uh, we broke down Disney Channel games. Yeah. We dove into Marvel for the first time this year. We did some Star Wars battles. We were all over the board. Yeah, it's what a year it was. I think that it was great that, you know, the world began to open up a little bit more. We got to get back to the parks, which we hadn't been in a long time. And things were looking good. And I had a lot of fun. This year was great for the podcast. It was, you know, Jerry's gang comes online. We get to have some fun Ooh. with Jerry's gang. It, it's been a great year. And, you know, this, as we do at the end of every single calendar year that this podcast has existed, we're going to look back. So our first time we look back on the best thing of the 2010s. Last year, we looked at the best Disney thing of 2020. And of course, we're back with the best Disney thing of 2021. And to help us ring in the new year and recap the past year, it is returning guest host, Michael. Michael, what's going on? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back. Excited yeah. for it. Of course. Last time you were kind of co-piloting your guest host. You were, you were just kind of on the sidelines, but you're back. Uh how how was this year in Disney for you? I know that you got back to to Disney World quite a bit. Oh wow! When it comes to my year in Disney, I mean, this is kind of my my all out like full send. I um, I moved to Orlando late last year, and this year I finally got my annual pass for oh, yeah. timer and just been you know patrolling the parks, keeping the interns in line. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, we needed an intern coordinator. So I'm glad that you took up that that position there. Um, well, uh, y'all, it's 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 been a year of spoonfuls of sugar as well. We've had a lot of a lot of drinks flowing. Uh, my sour beer adventure was a thing. Uh, <laughs> Kyle brought in some nice uh, bar uh, recipes and a bunch of fun tiki mugs along the way. We introduced a new format where we're serving. Where we serve each other drinks in person. Uh, we are doing a remote recording this time, so everyone's got their own drinks. Uh, Kyle, what do you got? I am revisiting an old winter friend. I've had this on the podcast before. Took a while to make because the batter takes a while, but I'm having some hot buttered rum, Chris. The mm -hmm. rum batter I brought up last time was way too much butter, some cloves, cinnamon, nutmeg, grind it all up, melt it all into a pot. Uh, and then you kind of like let the, the batter sit overnight and then you're able to combine that with so three like bar spoons of the batter, an ounce and a half of rum, dark blended aged rum, and then uh, six ounces of water. Now, I was like, I'm going to be sitting in front of this computer for a while. I need a little bit more than six ounces of, of drink. <laughs> so I doubled that. But I'm an idiot and didn't take into consideration that when I add that much water, I also have to double the rum. So then I had this overflowing mug situation 
where I need I was ready to bring back my spoonful of sugar mug, Mary Poppins OG, and it didn't have enough uh, <laughs> room for all this liquid. So I had to break out a different mug, but it is hot, it is buttery, it is rum, and I'm enjoying it greatly. Chris, what you got? I'm so I'm so stoked on this spoonful of sugar. Uh, I I feel like I've copped out a lot lately since since I really began like the prep to move cross country. I kind of been ship like mailing in my spoonful of sugar other than the Atahalan with the uh, coconut flakes. Yeah, this is this is another cocktail creation, and this is something I made on the stovetop. And normally when I make things on the stovetop that are liquid, it does not go well. Uh, I, I tried to make like a Harry Potter butterbeer drink one time and it tasted so bad. And this is this is a, a homemade uh, white. Uh, how, how do I say it? It's a buttermint white hot chocolate. OK. And um, so I put in like a quart of milk and a cup of heavy cream. OK. And then. I think, and then uh, like uh, half a cup of buttermints, which are like the ones you get from restaurants when you go out. They're far <laughs> superior to peppermints, in my Ooh. opinion. And I put all that on the stovetop, uh, heated it up to like a simmer, and then put in half a bag of white chocolate chips, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, and third of a cup of peppermint Irish cream. And then I, I topped it with some marshmallows and oh my God, it's so good. Wow. I all didn't out. mess it up. I didn't mess it up at all. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to burn this chocolate and I'm going to. And so the reason I did this is because uh, we're going to Julia's mom's for Christmas and she is such a great cook and she has so many different sides and appetizers and desserts and main courses going at the same time. She assigns sous chef duties to other people that are attending Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so this year I got punch, Christmas punch. But Ooh. she said, be, I want you to be creative with it. So like a normal Christmas punch is like cranberry. It's like a mulled wine. It's got some cinnamon and some orange. Like, so I was like, I might, I might try this, this hot chocolate situation. And um, I, think, I think it's ready for its debut in West Virginia next week. Love it. We'll see. We'll see what the audience thinks in person, <laughs> but uh, I'm into it. And uh, Michael, what do you got on the East Coast? Chris, I've been wanting to do this since uh, since you've been going on this sour beer journey this year. I thought no better way to close it out than to uh, bring one out myself. Let's go. Ooh. So I have a sour pash beer, showing the can mm. for Jerry's gang, and it is out of Avondale Brewing Company out of my home state of Alabama. So uh, just uh, give me a second here. Pop that top. Oh, yeah. Live taste test. Let's go. Oh, that's cold. That is refreshing. <laughs> that is beautiful. So good. The ice cold sour combo, it doesn't miss. No. It does not. It does not. Uh, and I, I want to point out that Michael is rocking a Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan, Texas Rangers jersey, and he's got a he's got a little Yankee Stadium behind him too. So uh. your boy came came to play today. <laughs> uh, also, I just want to shout out that it is it is the one year anniversary of Grogert. I'm sorry I couldn't resurrect <laughs> it for this uh, 
year year in retrospect, but uh, maybe next time. Um, all right. So so before we start talking about 2021, I want to take like a few minutes to look back at our 2020 bracket to kind okay. of look at like how we came into this year. Well, last year we crowned uh, Disney Family Singalongs the best Disney thing of 2020. Yeah. Right. If my memory serves me correctly. And it was just a great encapsulation of like the unpredictable fly by your seat of your pants, do it live nature of the year that was 2020. Uh, we also had things on here like uh, the NBA bubble, the Splash Mountain refurbishment news in Ooh. the middle of a lot of the uh, social justice conversations that were happening last summer. We had Onward, which came out before the pandemic, Mandalorian season two. Uh, Black is King made it really far in that bracket. Yeah. Um, but like all in all, looking at this this field of 16, 2020 things, it feels pretty weak compared to our 2021 bracket. Yeah. I mean, and for the majority of 2020, the parks weren't open. They didn't really have a way of figuring out how they were going to release movies, um, whether they were going to do theater or choose to go to streaming. So there were, you know, the middle part of 2020 didn't give us a ton but 2021 came absolutely packing so i'm really exciting but this it's funny that holiday sing-along or the sing-alongs won uh because it makes so much sense for the 2020 that we had you know it just i'm glad that we chose that and i had totally forgotten and eventually we'll revisit the sing-alongs and we'll and we'll choose the best sure. sing-along eventually um, when, when do we get nostalgic for 2020 and in a few years hopefully Maybe. we don't I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully we don't. Um, Michael, looking back on this 2020 list, does anything stand out or maybe has lasted even past 2020 into this new year that you think is uh, a big hit? Oh, well, I remember this bracket well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So some observations is the Splash Mountain refurb news is kind of at a standstill. I don't think that anything has really come out about that. Um, I still think Mandalorian season two should have, you know, maybe been the winner. You know, I, I, gave, I gave a case, but again, the, yeah, this sing-alongs definitely deserved to win that bracket. It definitely, as y'all said, encapsulated the year itself and kind of, uh, everything that went, that went on. So but yeah, well, we I'm have excited for the new stuff. We have Bob Chapek's, uh, takeover on here as well. And I remember us kind of giving him a pass and being like, well, he hasn't really done a whole lot yet. Let's wait and give him some time. And, and I think, I, I think, uh, that was, the right we're move. still waiting. We're still, <laughs> we're still waiting on that. Um, but again, a lot of this stuff, you kind of go, well, you know, he was dealt a kind of a difficult hand in his first year on the job. But yeah, I agree about the Splash Mountain stuff. Uh, we're heading to the parks and it was like Splash Mountain's closing the day after we're there. So they were like, this is it. Yep. We're going to be the last riders on Splash Mountain. And Disney yep. straight up was like, no, no, it's just like... Uh, it's just maintenance. Seasonal. It, yeah, so everyone's kind of like, what? Okay, well, <laughs> um, anyways, let's let's start talking about 2021. Uh, as always, we have a demographic of Disney fans, Disney park goers that are surveyed for our field of 16. Uh, we went with a, a very timely demographic this time on the internet. It was Spider-Man spoiler phobes. The, the Spider-Man No Way Home movie just came out this yeah. last Friday as of the recording 
or is it like Wednesday now? I don't know when movies come out anymore. It was like, it used to be like Friday at 12 a.m. And now it's like Thursday at two in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It came out like last Thursday. Um, and there are people tweeting saying I, people were like sending uh, their screenshots of their muted words, trying to avoid mm. seeing spoilers, which I get. Um, but I also felt like if there, w- there was nothing in it that was super spoily because we already knew a lot of the information just based on casting and stuff. So it was a uh, extreme measures were taken. Uh, spoiler alert to this podcast, I guess. <laughs> Spider-Man's not on the bracket uh, because it had just come out. I think that it probably deserves to be on the bracket. Uh, but we had surveyed beforehand. So this this is an honorable mention uh, even before we get to Miss the Dance. But we surveyed those folks to see what what are the best Disney things of 2021 movies, television, streaming, Marvel, Pixar, parks, anything. Uh, and they give us 16. But as I just alluded to, there's some that did not make the bracket. And uh, that's the Miss the Dance portion. And I, I have a couple. Uh, the first one for me is Cruella. The movie Cruella came out this year. It was the first film that I saw in theaters once theaters reopened. It was met with some critic acclaim as far as set design, acting, all that good stuff. But it kind of fell flat when it came to some of the CGI of the docs. Or, you know, the we talked about it in our review, how the soundtrack kind of overpowered the story and maybe took you out of it a little bit. I think that we're going to look back and Cruella is going to be a bit of a hidden gem because it wasn't as hyped as it was. I think that people in yep. years will go back and watch and be like, I actually, I really enjoy that movie. Um, but it didn't quite make this one, obviously. And then number two for me is the Roger Rabbit update. This was like some news that kind of slid under the radar a little bit. It didn't cause much of an uproar because not a whole lot of people like Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, but Disney had announced about midway through the year that they were going to change the storyline to Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin in Toontown at Disneyland to make Jessica Rabbit the detective on the case of the story. Really, they didn't change much. They gave her like a trench coat and a, and a fedora um, mostly to cover her up. We had talked about like her appearance when we did the uh, Where's Disney costumes bracket. And we had kind of alluded to like, how long are they going to allow Jessica Rabbit to kind of like be in the parks? Is this why they don't trot her art out very often? Um, because they're afraid of, you know, creepy dads. And they might have gone a little too far with the censoring of Jessica Rabbit with this update. But it was big news. And it just recently uh, reopened with new Jessica Rabbit. The ride doesn't change. Dialogue doesn't change. She's just in a different place in one scene. It's fine. Um, but I thought that was some like semi big news uh, as far as Disney changing their attractions goes and thought it would make the dance, but it didn't. Chris, what are a couple for you? Uh, there, there is a lot of Marvel on this bracket. Spider-Man's not on here, but but Marvel is not by no means underrepresented. It was a big, uh, enormous year for Marvel. Yep. Uh, like to the point where we are all having to ask ourselves, how how much are we willing to commit to staying up to date with the MCU? It's just like literally 
one ends and the next one starts the next week. And sometimes there's two in one week and you have to see the movie on the weekend to know what the a TV show is going to be about on Wednesday, the following yes. week. Um, it's like, uh, it's, it's very rapid fire. Um, Hawkeye is currently airing and it's one that w- took me a while to come around to. I think I was a little bit disappointed in the first episode. I thought it was kind of, uh, hollow felt a little bit, like shallow the first and generic. Did. Yeah, and it's getting it's getting deeper as we go along. I love Clint finally getting like some good screen time. Not that like he didn't have story before, but it just he didn't have a whole lot of scenes where he's talking a lot. Like yeah. like in twenty movies, there's only maybe a couple where it's like let's give Clint a whole scene by himself. And right. so I like see, I like seeing his kind of like tired man energy. Uh, Every episode, all episode long, it's it's really great. So that one certainly missed the dance for me. The other is a is a parks thing that opened, uh, Space Two Twenty Restaurant, oh, yeah, which that's right. is dope. Obviously, haven't made a trip down to uh, Epcot <laughs> Center, but maybe Michael can talk about if you if you've peeked inside. But it's like this is this is the Disney I know. Is this like let's go all out? Let's push the envelope in in very small ways that make a very big impact on this idea. And, and when you can watch a video for yourself, you walk into that dining room and it's like, I am no longer on this planet. I am on another planet. Yeah. Uh, so super immersive and just right, one of those kind of like peripheral experiences that could potentially make someone's whole trip. So uh, I see why it's not on our top 16, but definitely a, a sign of good things. I think in 2021 for the parks. Michael, have you checked that out? So yeah, I've I've checked out the lounge for Space okay. 220, but I haven't like eaten at the sit down area of the restaurant. It, it's cool. Um, I mean, it's like you said, it's it's an immersive experience. Um, definitely a thing if you're into space and all of that. <laughs> it's a so Big space I'm just guy. saying. Yeah, but if you're somebody like Emily who doesn't like space at all, then you know probably That's should right. avoid it. That's right. That's right. Anti-space. Um, any other Miss the Dance uh, 2021 things for you, Michael? I know you saw Kite Tales, so. Uh, I did see Kite Tales. Kite Tales <laughs> is um, an experience to say the least. Um, but I, I think I have a couple others that I think Miss the Dance above Kite Tales. First, uh, Haunted Mansion, the Muppet special. Ooh. I loved that. Great pick. I mean, I know Muppets are kind of like, they're getting a little dated but it's something that i just always enjoy seeing and then add the haunted mansion into it and all the celeb cameos i thought it was really well put together and if you take it for what it is it was really cool for halloween um another thing uh it's not even really disney but it's on disney plus the get back documentary for the beatles yeah oh yeah i thought that was really cool um kind of it's really cool just how they have all of this footage and they were able to put it into 4k. So, I mean, for somebody like me who wasn't around for that time, <laughs> neither were y'all, but um, <laughs> <laughs> seeing like, just seeing all of them interact and the way they went about creating their songs. It was really cool. It, it was like a better version of the Taylor Swift documentary from uh, last track. Get him. Get him. Get him. Please, please, Taylor Swift fans, do not come at me. <laughs> and the last one that I have that 
is uh, kind of along the lines of what Kyle said, but Mickey's Philhar Magic just got an update, I think about a month or two ago. And to Chris's pleasure, I'm sure they added a Coco scene. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. But along with that, they also just updated the whole um, the whole show itself to where it looks um, a little bit clearer, a little bit more more uh, just updated in general. So I and I went and saw that last time I went when I went to MK, and it was really cool. And somebody who's always like that. Uh, that attraction it was uh cool to see it get an update yeah that's awesome those are all great picks um we haven't even talked about the beatles documentary because i feel like it's kind of disney plus adjacent they won the bidding war to host it with peter jackson but um yeah that that was a really cool documentary in the muppets haunted mansion man that yeah that's a that's a classic that's on the new halloween rotation that's for sure well I, we don't have any more pull the pot. Like we like huh. we've pulled it's all gone. the cards. So our our little like five to ten minutes we fill with that every episode for the last six months is gone. So we can, right, we, we we can hop right into this bracket. Let's Y'all, do it. Uh, like, we got our field of sixteen things of twenty twenty one. Uh, let's let's go ahead and cue the dramatic music. Kyle, take us away. Roll out the gold carpet because the number one seed is Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary celebration. May the odds be ever in your favor because the number two seed is the Magic Key Program. Taking a trip straight to school is the number three seed is Luca. It was the number four seed all along. WandaVision. (laughs) Not awkward. No, you're fine. You're good. Barging its way into the fifth seed is Harmonious. So much time and so little to do. Coming in at the number six seed is the Avengers Campus. Showing up in multiple forms at the seventh seed is Loki. Guiding you through vast new realities at the eighth spot is What If. Kicking it in a magical house at the number nine seed is Encanto. I just want to say what I wrote down for Encanto. I said, candle on the water, but make it Daddy Lynn. <laughs> no track, no cap. Coming in at number 10 is Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Gliding in on a split muni bus is the number 11 seed. It's Shang-Chi. If you smell what the number 12 seed is cooking, it's the Jungle Cruise. We got some expansion news, y'all. Coming in at the number 13 seed is the Disneyland Forward announcement. Better late than never for these two. Coming in at number 14, it's the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uniting Kingdoms at the 15th seed is Raya and the Last Dragon. Coming in in the final spot, number 16 seed, everything old is new again with Genie, Genie Plus, and Lightning Lane. Uh, Michael, we have so much to talk about with all of these things. Um, are there any that stand out for you as things that you could see going far for best things of 2021 or things you can safely say like, no, don't want it. 2021 can have this back. We got some heavy hitting movies and TV shows on this bracket. So excited to get into those. And then a lot of park stuff, a lot of park stuff. All right, so let's get into this first matchup, which is a bunch of park stuff. It is the number one Walt Disney World's 50th 
and 50th anniversary celebration versus the number 16 Genie Genie Plus Lightning Lane uh, adoption. So Walt Disney World celebrated their 50th anniversary this year. Uh, that's really the 50th anniversary of Magic Kingdom. Obviously, the other parks come into that as the resort was kind of established then. And Magic Kingdom came into play with the idea that this was going to be a vacation kingdom. There's going to be a lot more to it. So this was the the anniversary of the beginning of it all for Orlando, Florida. Uh, they celebrated in multiple ways. Uh, each park had its own little thing that they celebrated with. Overall, across the resort, all four parks, 50 statues of 50 Disney characters were placed all around the four parks. And actually, Michael gave us a little play-by-play, a little reporter on the ground action when he was at the parks not too long ago in our Discord, where he uh, he was showing us some of his favorite ones and even showed us the smallest one, which was Tinkerbell. Uh, were you able to visit all 50 of the of the statues? I have not. Um, taking the time to go see all 50 statues, but I definitely think I've seen a fair share of them. Um, obviously, my, my favorite one is Stitch. It's on the, if you know about Walt Disney World, there's the uh, purple wall mm-hmm. and Stitch is just hanging up there. And it's, I don't know, just the placement and where it is. I love it. That's such a great troll move by <laughs> by the parks to be like, let's take this wall that literally everyone stands in front of and put the most obnoxious thing we can in its place. It's what Stitch would do. Sure. Yeah. sure. Absolutely. So 50 characters, not all of them parks related. Almost none of them were. Uh, it was just 50 Disney characters that showed up to the resort to celebrate the anniversary of this park, Magic Kingdom. Uh, Magic King- Kingdom, speaking of, got a new fireworks show, Disney Enchantment. Uh, Michael shaking his head because apparently it did not live up to what it should be. I'm a happily ever after Stan and nobody will ever will ever tell me different. So yeah, That is fine. That is fine. I, uh, I'm a Disneyland Forever guy myself. And when Mickey's mix- Mixed Magic showed up, I wanted to cry a little bit. Um, Magic Kingdom also got some new projections over the castle this projection system is called beacons of magic and they do it at every park icon so we'll be back with that and then they just kind of decorated the place up with their colorways for the celebration which was like a dark navy a deep gold um a little bit of purple kind of what you think of when you think of cinderella's castle so animal kingdom had new projections on the tree of life uh once again beacons of magic and the introduction which they fold into this 50th anniversary celebration of kite tails which we just chatted about um and if you've been anywhere any time in the last three months on dis twitter in our discord there has been a lot of kite tails talk so i don't even want to dive into what that actually is you can you know what it is hollywood studios got uh the beacons of magic projection over tower of terror which i think is dope michael have you seen it is it dope yeah it's dope yeah, it looks cool from the concept art and just like photos that I've seen. That's a great uh, surface to project on. And Paris does it a lot uh, with their tower and they've they've done some interactive stuff. I think it's really cool. Hollywood Studios, uh, I just said that. Epcot, Epcot's interesting. Epcot got Harmonious, the new nighttime spectacular, which we'll be talking about in a little bit, so I won't do it now. They installed new lights all over Spaceship Earth, which is dope and looks really cool. I think um, they kind of twinkle, they change colors, they can react to different music and different 
senses, I guess. Uh, Michael, have I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, that's actually my favorite one. Mm. Um, I think it's I think it's more impressive when you see it in person. The photos are really cool, but when you see it in person, you just you see all the time and effort they really put into it and what it actually does. It it honestly gives new life to Spaceship Earth. So which was much needed in my opinion. And then conveniently kind of folded into the 50th celebration, they claim that Remy's Ratatouille Adventure was also a part of the 50th anniversary celebration. And I think that's a lie. I think that they that project just got delayed far enough that once the celebration began, they're like, oh, we can open it. Oh, in celebration of the 50th. But we'll talk more about Remy when we get there. So that's kind of Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary from at least what they publicize on their website. As you click into each park, those are the things that they say, this is how we're celebrating Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. Over to the 16th seat, Genie, Genie Plus Lightning Lane. So this is the new system of basically fast pass. Uh, they introduced Genie, which is a free complimentary service that you can have this AI technology plan your trip for you. It will tell you where you should go at what time to best avoid the crowds or to adhere to your interests. If you just search Disney Genie on Twitter, there are multiple people who are like annual pass holders over in Florida or magic key holders here in California who have used Genie to plan their entire day. And it is comical. It is so funny. One thread had Genie send him to three consecutive rides that were under refurbishment. <laughs> and then he goes to DCA. And the first thing that Jeannie wants him to do, first thing in the morning, rope drop, the bakery tour. <laughs> and then so, and then the bakery tour was closed. So yep. they were like, bro, go check out Nick Jr. live on stage <laughs> yeah, or no, Disney Playhouse Disney, or whatever. <laughs> Disney Jr. live. He was like, no, I literally like people will don't want me there. Like I will look weird if I go in there. So hot start for Disney Genie. Uh, Disney Genie Yikes. Plus is the add-on service to Disney Genie. And this is, if you are a Disneyland person, this is the new iteration of Max Pass. So for 20 bucks a day per person, you get access to Lightning Lane, which is their new Fast Pass system, excluding select individual Lightning Lane attractions. So even if you want a Fast Pass to Radiator Springs Racers, you can't get it through Genie Plus. You have Genie Plus to pay an additional up to $20 for one ride onto Radiator Springs Racers. You also get Photo Pass, which is the same thing that had in Max Pass. And then AR lenses at Walt Disney World. Michael, what is this? Have you used this? Do you know what this is? I have no clue, honestly. <laughs> they give you snap goggles and say, here, go, go around the park and experience this. I don't know. Um, and then audio experiences, apparently, which. I'm never going to use. And then Lightning Lane, which is the third component of all of this, is just the new name for FastPass, which is frustrating. And you're able to add up to two additionally highly in-demand rides, as they describe it, at an additional cost per ride. So there's like the basic Lightning Lane, which is if you have Disney Plus, Disney Plus, if you have Disney Genie Plus, you're able to use like a normal FastPass system. But then for the big marquee rides, like Rise, like Radiator Springs Racers, and then a, a whole bunch of them at Walt Disney World, 
you have to pay upwards from eight to like 20 bucks per ride additionally. So that's what that is. In this matchup, it's the celebration <laughs> as the best Disney thing. The Disney, the Genie Plus system and the Genie system, one, Genie system is flawed, as we've seen by users on the internet. Uh, two, I personally am never going to have this like app choose my day for me. I'm just going to go do the things I want to do. I can see how it's beneficial if it's, you're like a first time at the parks type of person. Um, but otherwise, you could just ask your friends and they can tell you exactly what you need to do and where you should go. The change from fast pass to lightning lane is just a marketing slip up. Like, I don't know why they would do that. It's confusing people. They don't actually know what it is. And then the upcharge. I mean, here's Disney once again gouging us for more money and then increasing the barrier to entry for some of their marquee attractions. For like, imagine being a family of five, you're paying a hundred bucks just for Genie Plus. And then if you want to ride Radiator Springs Racers and not wait 80 minutes or whatever it gets up to these days with the reservation system, let alone figuring out the reservation system, but you're going to have to pay an extra 15 to 20 bucks per person just to ride one four minute ride. It is bonkers. It is absurd. And I don't like it. The celebration of a 50th anniversary is fantastic, and I'm glad that they did it. It feels a little lackluster, but we can get into that a little bit later. But it's going to go past this new add-on service. I, I'm just really kind of like skeptical of of the information on the app, and like that's the part that messes me up the most. Is like this person you're talking about in his Twitter thread. At one point, he had like a gap in his window, and they were like, "Oh." We recommend you go check out Savvy's lightsaber building workshop and buy a lightsaber for $300. Or they eventually like stopped recommending that he go ride Rise and like it was the app was prompting him in a way that was like you must pay for this ride right, right. now. Like yes or no. And if you weren't paying attention you might be like okay. Um and also, he was finding that like things would be posted at 90 minutes and they'd be like 25 minutes to ride them. Yep. So if the app is telling you, oh, the ride's 90 minutes, it's an in-demand attraction and you go, oh, shoot, I got I to gotta fork over this 20 bucks, you might not have had to. Like the ride itself might actually be at like a lower uh, wait time, which would be at your threshold of the amount of time you're willing to wait. Um there are just so many things that go into one person's day at an amusement park, not just Disney. And that that artificial intelligence simply is not smart enough to take into consideration all of the things that a person needs in a day. Like it didn't even have single rider option in it. Right. Or it didn't it didn't have it didn't say like, oh, I'm I'm planning on leaving at six. I have to leave at six today. It just assumes that you're there from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. Um, but I think that's the point is that they, they are trying to tell you to be there so that you are dawdling around the park spending money on stuff that you wouldn't normally be spending money on. Um, it's weird. It's sad. Uh, I don't think people are going to use it, honestly, at all. At least not the genie like, you know, told me what to do with my day. Oh, like, no. Yeah, lightning, lightning Lane. Like, I could see... Us just being like, all right, for 
rise. Let's just do it. You know, we are, we're only here every so often. Let's just do it. But, uh, yeah, the, it's gonna go under some serious transformations over the years. I think before they get it right or it becomes what it needs to be, just make it the, my, my Disney app. Like just, just put the lightning lane feature in the, my Disney app. People are already, it's, I don't know. I, 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 we could do two hours on this topic alone. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on WDW 50th. Uh, Michael, do you agree? Yep. hundred percent. Sweet. So let's move on to the next matchup. It is the number eight seed. Marvel's what if versus the number nine seed Encanto. So we have talked about neither of these things on the regular mouse madness show, uh, but Jerry's gang got a full on Encanto <laughs> review yep. last week on, uh, on Patreon. And me and you both liked that movie a lot, Kyle. Yep. Uh, we, we did. both, we both praised it for its strong characters. Um, it's very realistic, deep relationships, um, it's fun setting, it's great animation, um, and and it's valuable lessons that it teaches. Yeah. About life, about family, about letting go, about keeping things close to you that are important, etc. Um I it's definitely like a highlight for me for 2021 is in Canada. I mean, it hasn't been with us a whole lot. Just came out around Thanksgiving, but it's coming to it's on Disney Plus. By the time y'all are listening yeah. to this episode, it, it is on Disney Plus. Go watch yeah. it. Um, it's really good. The music by Lin Manuel is um, it's got highs and lows, definitely. Uh, yep. Songs like uh, "We Don't Talk About Bruno" is is fire. Yep. Songs <laughs> like um, um, oh, I'm, I'm already I, forgetting. I'm I want to. I always want to call it songs. under pressure. Yeah, well, because that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The song about being under pressure is annoying. Uh, the Sebastian Yatra song, Dos Oruguitas, is incredible. Yep. And the uh, animation sequence that accompanies it is also incredible, very powerful, um, and one of my favorite Disney moments of all time, honestly. Uh, you've got the opening song, Welcome to the Family Madrigal, which is uh, a mouthful. Like there's, a, it's very wordy, but it's pretty fun too. And it does a really good job of kind of like spitting out all of the exposition in a very efficient way. Yes. That 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 feels sort of clunky, but also it's like once it's over, you're like, all right, honestly, We're I ready need to a, go. <laughs> I know everything I need to about this movie. I'm ready for <laughs> this stuff to start. So, yeah. uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, what if? I'm I'm a little bit mixed on what if because. I, it, it was episodic in that the episodes didn't really have anything to do with each other until the end. Like yeah. they, I was kind of watching them and then being like, eh, that was a fine episode. I'm going to delete it from my memory files. The, the opening episode was uh, Peggy Carter becomes Captain America. Uh, what if Captain Carter was the first Avenger is the name of the episode. And I was like, all right, that was kind of fun, I guess. Like, interesting to see kind of a different take on this origin story that we already know. Yep. But I'm going to delete that from my Marvel information that I need to absorb because God knows there's a lot these days. Yes, there are. Um, And then, like, by the end of the series, like, it all came back. Like, all of them came back. And I was like, oh, shoot. I wish yeah. I remember what's happening. <laughs> uh, so... 
Standout episode for me is the Doctor Strange episode. What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Mm-hmm. Which is... Uh, Doctor Strange is, is maybe my far- favorite MCU character because he's kind of like a tortured genius archetype. Yeah. Which I think is uh, unique in the superhero genre, at least for the MCU, because everyone's kind of like a funny, quirky action star. And Doctor Strange is kind of like a straight man. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of like the voice of reason in this very fantastical world, even though he himself is a wizard. So, <laughs> um, but in this episode, he like starts flirting with the dark dimension and like uh, the dark arts. Um, and he ends up summoning some pretty dark magic to save uh, his girlfriend or his fiance. Or, yeah, his girlfriend. Uh, yeah. Christine Palmer, Rachel McAdams. And I, I just like that idea. We were talking about it when we were talking about Star Wars battles and like Yoda, like does Yoda know the dark side of the force too? And he like chooses not to use it. I just like that idea that like not all magic is black and white. You can know about some bad stuff, but not do anything about it or like what? It's a spectrum. I like that idea. And, and it explores that in this episode of uh, what if, and eventually gets to the point where like, bad guy Doctor Strange turns good at the end. Yeah. And it's like he has the conscience of good guy Doctor Strange with the powers of bad guy Doctor Strange. And you're like, oh, he's going to show up at some point in the MCU and jack stuff up. Uh, there's a zombie episode, which some people didn't like. I, I honestly, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, it's getting its own series. Yeah. Uh, and then like in the end, there's a multiverse thing. Like, uh, the multiverse is explored and, and the watcher who's like the, the narrator guy breaks the fourth wall and he's juggling all these different what if universes and, and they've all kind of collided. And I just like, this is, this is where the MCU is confusing to me right now. It's like, <laughs> there's so, there's so many different, like, portals into the multiverse right now that it's getting hard for me to remember uh where we're at and like what's causing what because it's not linear anymore it's like there's a lot of stuff happening at the same time and maybe that's the point like my theory was that and i guess still is is that there were all of these multiverse events happening at the same time like oop loki loki kill that guy and uh, Spider-Man made this wish and the Watcher messed this thing up and uh, Wanda did this thing and they all are going to get together and be like, yo, I caused the multiverse. And we're like, no, I caused the multiverse. Uh, TBD on whether or not that happens. But uh, what if definitely of the Marvel things that came out this year, I enjoyed it, but probably in on the lower half of things that I enjoyed. Encanto uh, is, is an incredible Disney movie. I'm advancing it here. I was very pleasantly surprised by what if, because I'm obviously not the Marvel expert, uh, but it was something that this, this multiverse idea really interests me. And I think Chris, you're onto something because we did get to see at the end of Spider-Man, some end credits that bring some folks back together. And so I think you're on the right track there, but it's, it was just cool to see like Marvel 
at its like comic book cartoon roots. And it was really awesome to see the animation style that they employed for that series. It was really cool to see what stories they decided to tell. I have a Funko Pop next to me of T'Challa as Star-Lord from the What If series. Like, Very cool how they were able to not only retell these stories with these characters that we love, but then also get like the voice actors back for them. Um, yeah. You had yeah. Chadwick Boseman give some of his final performances as uh, T'Challa in this cartoon series. It was really cool. I thought it was really well done. It really makes me think really hard about this next phase of Marvel. And I'm excited to kind of see where it goes without having to feel like I need to be super invested in it. I can kind of watch it passively and not try and figure everything out. Just let it all happen. But I agree with you. Encanto really blew me away. Um, It was kind of that Disney Animation Studios film that gave me that made me feel like we were watching a Disney animated film without having to go on like an epic adventure. Um, because yeah. recently we've had to do Frozen 2. We've had to so do Ryan the Last Dragon. Adventures, man. So we've many had to adventures. go on- onward. We've had to do a lot of road trip movies, a lot of finding yourself through exploration. And this got back to internalizing issues at hand and to take place in one small world in one house but also make you feel like you've gone someplace was really special and i think that the animators should be commended for all that they did because i'm fairly certain that they did most of this from their house and if any of you are working from home still it's really hard to collaborate on a project working from home uh, let alone put together a succinct movie so i agree with you Encanto's moving on Michael, have you seen Encanto yet? And uh, if so, would you make this decision? Because I know you're the Marvel guy. So I have not seen Encanto, but um, I did look at reviews. I listened to y'all's recap episode. And I mean, I just from hearing that, I would probably move Encanto on too, just from hearing about the animation and, you know, what Daddy Lynn does. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I really liked What If. I, I mean, I am a Marvel guy, but What If to me was kind of just like a side project in my mind um, that was just like more of an exploration type of series. And I thought it was really cool, especially what you said, Kyle, with uh, T'Challa becoming a Star Wars and knowing that that was like Chadwick's uh, one of his last performances. Obviously, it came out posthumous as well. So, yep. That was obviously really cool. Um, there's another one. What if Thor was an only child that oh, I yeah, really so enjoyed good. as well. So um, it was really good. And But I mean, I kind of took it as what it was. as kind of just more of an exploration series. But Encanto is one of those, you know, it's like one of the Disney movies of the year. So it, it's going to be one of those that's kind of hard to beat. Let's move on to the next matchup. It is number four, WandaVision versus number four. 13 Disneyland forward announcement. So back in back in I believe the summer, we got an announcement from Disney that they were putting out a proposal to expand the resort over where they wanted to expand it in the first place, which is Downtown Disney District over by the Disneyland Hotel. They had told us once upon a time that they were going to take out the Rainforest Cafe, build this mega hotel that was going to be 
five diamonds or whatever they rated as, and that project fell through. They also told us that they were going to expand on the other side of Harbor Boulevard, and they bought up a bunch of hotels, and that project fell through. So here they are again, telling us that they're going to do this massive expansion project. But this one came with park stuff. So they didn't want to call it a third gate. They kind of alluded that it would be an extension of both parks that kind of fed into each other. Um, how that was separated, we don't really know, but you can assume that it would be because Disney won't pass up an opportunity to make you pay for both parks. And it was going to kind of encapsulate the area in and around the Disneyland Hotel at the very end of downtown Disney. Um, they kind of showed like a Zootopia area. They kind of showed a frozen area in the concept art, but they had disclaimers everywhere that said this is just for concept. None of this is is locked in because obviously because they've had two <laughs> right. other projects fall through in the last four years. So this was great because this was the first time that we're like, OK, Disney's finally expanding to make this a resort and not just a hotel destination for two parks because the first two times were basically like we're going to build hotels we're going to build a, a a pedestrian walkway um but this is like exciting this is the an expansion of the resort that we haven't seen since dca's inception in 2001 it's up against wandavision which for me wandavision is my favorite marvel thing of 2021 especially on the disney plus side now, Loki gives WandaVision for me a run for its money because I really loved the performances and the storylines in Loki, but Loki had a little bit too much time travel for me. And what's going to become an issue for me as we enter this new wave of, of Marvel is how much time travel we actually have to do. I love the idea of uniting multiverses and, and having other dimensions open up to other things. But if we're going to start going back in time like we did in the Avengers saga, it's going to break my brain a little bit. And I'm not too I'm not too fond of time travel movies or series or ideas because I think it gets a little too messy. Even in the Avengers series, they basically were like, we don't talk about how we time travel uh, because it's too hard to explain. So I really enjoyed WandaVision because I think that Scarlet Witch is going to be one powerful mofo in this next wave. The fact that she was able to create her own reality and keep everyone in it uh, was a flex. And Wanda had always been kind of a side character in the Avengers series. Uh, we see her in Ultron. We're introduced to her really in Ultron. And she's kind of like kept hidden away because everyone knows how powerful she is. But she at the time, she was considered like a teenager or a kid. You have Vision, who's just an artificial created hero. They fall in love. They run away. And then you have their antics through WandaVision. And what I really loved about the series was that they told this Marvel story in a way that finally, to me, felt not just Marvel, but just Marvel enough. And I say that because they took on this sitcom trope for about half of the series, which I bought into and I thought was cool because it's Wanda's reality. She really only knows what life has been as a human through sitcoms. So she created these sitcom realities for her family. And it was a, it was a Marvel entity presented to us in a different way than just like, here's our troubled hero. Here's the villain. We're going to go after that said villain. We're going to have some introspective moment 
our hero is going to figure it out. They're going to defeat the villain. We're going to move on to the next movie. This one was like not only keeping us guessing for the entire time of as to like what's actually happening felt very lost in that way. Um, the TV show, but then had, I thought a very great villain reveal. I thought that the villain was fantastic throughout the entire show and it kept me wanting to see it every single week. And it also just kind of took the world by storm. It was insane how much pop culture, how much social media, how much everything around us during that period of this, you know, lockdown that we existed in during the pandemic. WandaVision had us had a grip on us. And it was insane. Elizabeth Olsen uh, really shined through. Catherine Hahn was phenomenal. Um, I just thought it was such a well done series, especially as, you know, not the most Marvel intensive guy. I it was something that like Yo, you want to see something Marvel without too much context? Like you can hop into WandaVision. You don't need too much of the outside stuff. You would benefit greatly from it, but you could also just watch it and be like, damn, that was a good series. So I don't believe that Disneyland Resort is going to actually expand in the way that they want to. I have very little belief in the California permit system. Uh, talk to, uh, example A, exhibit A. Oakland trying to build a ballpark. So I don't know that the city of Anaheim is going to allow Disney to expand outside of its already existing perimeter. That's a tough ask. I do love WandaVision. I'm going to go with the number four. I'm with you, Kyle. I, I pff, These announcement things, I just feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being sold lies every yep. time they have one of these things. It's like, Here's all the stuff we're all going to get excited for. Let's go. And it's like, wake me up when it is, the ground is broke. Better yet, wake me up when it's open. Like, wake me up on opening day. Yeah. I mean, you even look at things like uh, the Tron the Tron thing. It's like the Tron light cycle ride. They That is already halfway done construction, but I'm, it's like, wake me up when it's done. Because guess what? It's not open yet. So, you know, I'm with you on WandaVision. Michael, do you agree? Oh, 100%. We can talk more about, about it later, but yeah, WandaVision for sure. All right. Next up, we've got the number five seed, Harmonious versus number 12, The Jungle Cruise, the film starring The Rock. I'm so uh, excited. Harmonious, Harmonious, I'm so is, excited. <laughs> Harmonious is a nighttime spectacular that takes place at Epcot uh, on the World Showcase Lagoon. And... Harmonious has been in the works for a long time. Yep. They shuttered Illuminations, Reflections of Earth in 2019, September 2019. And that show ran for almost 20 years at Epcot. Uh, so it was beloved by many an Epcot guest for decades. And looking back on the show, it wasn't like mind blowing in terms of tech, like technological <laughs> uh, features. I mean, yeah. even the pyrotechnics were pretty like, eh. it wasn't like the fireworks were carefully coordinated to music or, you know, color coordinated to the mood of the song or the characters or whatever. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty mellow, but it did have a very cohesive kind of energy to it. The energy was that uh, we are here at Epcot where there are many countries represented. They are all different, and, but the one thing we have in common is we are all built on a history of stories and storytelling. 
and we are going to tell you one story tonight, and that is Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. And there is an original score that accompanies uh, some, some fountains and some, uh, fi- some light fireworks, and then in the middle, a globe would come up, and there was like some really terrible like LED lights on the globe, and it would spin for like 10 minutes, and then it would open up and like shoot fireballs out of it. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but everyone loved Illuminations. I loved Illuminations. Shoot. Uh, so, so they retired it and they were like, we're going to do, we're going to get that new, new for the 50th. And that is harmonious. So the harmonious barges have been going into this lagoon for the last couple of years. And people are just speculating. It's like, all you can see is like a, a flat barge with nothing on it. And you're like, the show's going to be crap. It's going <laughs> to suck. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, so, so I think people were already like, uh, determined to hate it before yep. anything happened. Yep. So they end up constructing this, like main barge and then a couple of smaller barges and it looks kind of like a giant octopus it's like a big circle screen in the middle and these big arms that kind of like retract back and forth they look like metal tentacles and i want to say it's kind of a mixture of like uh like world of color but add more screens like physical screens and add some more pyrotechnics and that's harmonious but take away all of the like depictions of Disney characters. Uh, all of the projection is just kind of like patterns and designs and colors that are sort of like on theme with whatever Disney song is playing during that section of Harmonious. Uh, so we get songs. So the whole show, like the theme is like bringing the world together through songs. We all speak different languages, but the one language we all understand is music. Um, Mathematics is another one, but I guess they didn't want to make a show about that. So, <laughs> so they end up playing like Disney songs from around the world. So you get Moana and then you get Hercules and then you get uh, Frozen and then you get Jungle Book. Um, and then you get my favorite part when they play a little couple bars from Hellfire from Hunchback. Yeah. Shout out to... A couple bars of Saludos Amigos. Yeah, there's some... Yeah, you got a Coco section too. Like, let's not forget. <laughs> and then Tiana. Um, and then, and then the America section is just Tiana, which is interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, and, but then they, they choose to dig a little deeper of all the Tiana songs they could have gone with. They choose to dig a little deeper. Anyway, I've never seen this live in person. It might be spectacular after a long day at Epcot. I was a bit underwhelmed in, in just about every way. The story was a little bit like, uh, I don't know. I don't really know like what, what we're going for here, the, the song selection felt tired. The, the effects were, I felt like I had seen them before. There really wasn't a whole lot where I was like, how the did they do that? Yeah. Which is what I kind of come to expect from a Disney show these days, which I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's unfair to expect a groundbreaking stuff every single time they were on a show. But like, this was a big deal. Like they've been talking about this for so long. And it's replacing a show that ran for so long. So you'd think that they would put some effort into it. Um, not that they didn't, but it's, uh, like I said, it feels a little lackluster. Harmonious is going up against the Jungle Cruise, which was a 2020 film that got delayed to 2021. Yep. And I mean, we've been, we've been talking about this movie since the podcast began. <laughs> this Jungle Cruise movie that was going to star The Rock and Mary Poppins. Yep. And, uh, so I felt like I would like the hype 
the hype was starting to die and I had to like really kind of like overcompensate by being like, I'm just, I'm just going to tell myself that this is going to be the best movie ever mate. Right. Um, and it wasn't, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't bad. I can't, did, do we ever review this on mouse madness? I don't think so. No, I think we reviewed via text message. <laughs> yeah. We probably just exchanged text messages. I liked The Rock. I liked The Rock a lot until he turned into uh immortal being. Like, great. Just what the Jungle Cruise needs, like immortals and uh, magic. Yeah, I just, I just remember being like, that was kind of a fun movie. It's kind of a fun movie, but honestly, uh, honestly, I'm probably not going to have this on a loop. One thing that I appreciate is that they made The Rock like a... a Love interest, which for for how handsome The Rock is, <laughs> he's often like desexualized in a lot of the movies that he acts in. Yeah. So I like that he's kind of like uh, he gets some, he literally gets some love in in uh, in this movie, which is cool. I mean, it's a little bit unexpected as well. It's not, it's not like gross. Like, oh my god, he's. Uh, the rock come get me it's like oh they kind of develop a friendship that turns into something more this is a tough one for me i think both of these are our movies are, are both of these disney things are things that i had somewhat high expectations for that didn't really disappoint me but that maybe fell short of my expectations i think i'm going to go with harmonious uh i'm going with the parks thing i think uh I think Walt Disney World getting some love was a big part of 2021 for me. And, and I think Jungle Cruise was ultimately a 2020 joint. So I got Harmonious. I'm going Jungle Cruise. I was not a huge fan of Harmonious. Uh, I obviously haven't seen it in person, but watched the show on YouTube. And I get what they were trying to go for, especially being in the World Showcase Lagoon of uniting everyone through music and I like that many of the songs had renditions of the same song in different languages. But it felt like Genie chose the song selection. Just like run it through the Genie app and see what Genie <laughs> wants, wants the song to be. It just felt like none of it really made sense. I like when Disney kind of makes the songs fit the show instead of the other way around. That's why Fantasmic is so good to me. Like I, they use the songs in a way that makes sense. And that's a disjointed show of Mickey's dreams, right? But we understand what's happening there. The barges weren't super impressive. They seem like, why? Why have them out there? If you have technology, and I get it. World of Color is flawed because it's been down for two and a half years. But that water screen technology beats what they were doing with these barges. And it just makes it feel like, why is it happening out on the lagoon if you're just going to use screens anyways? I thought that the pyrotechnics were great in this show. They were, at least in the video that I saw, some of the most timed up pyrotechnics I've ever seen Disney do. Uh, everything flashed when it needed to flash. But it just felt like I would see it once and then never see it again. And, and the nighttime spectacular is something that I want to go back to over and over again. Not saying that I'm going to go back to Jungle Cruise over and over again, but that movie impressed me. It was 
the, they had me in the first half, Chris. I thought this was going to be the adventure movie of of the year of the next decade until they went mummy and pirates four on us and and completely changed it all, all all up in the second half. Wasn't a fan of it. But the first half of that movie was so good that I was like, this is like this is beating all my expectations. It's also really worrisome when they do something with a ride like the Haunted Mansion, like the later Pirates movies, where it's like you don't want it to ruin your experience of the ride, but you also want it to honor it. And I felt like they did it in a very tasteful way. This is kind of a battle of the duds matchup for me. And in these two duds, I'm going to go Jungle Cruise, which means that Michael is going to pick the winner. This one's tough for me because obviously a Walt Disney World person. So Harmonious is a kind of my realm. And I really like Jungle Cruise. I, you know, I think Kyle, you put it almost on the dot of what I thought. It was like Indiana Jones meets the mummy and that meets Pirates of the Caribbean. It's, that was exactly my, like my mindset when I got finished watching it. And I, I mean, yeah, some of the Rocks movies are all kind of the same, but this one felt a little different. Um, I thought, the, all the characters themselves kind of forge their own path as well within it. Um, I really, really did enjoy this movie. Um, Harmonious. So to be completely honest, I have only seen the first part of it in person. Um, I, I had the one time I stayed to actually watch the show, I had to leave um, about 15 minutes into it so I just got through the first little bit of it but I've seen it on YouTube a couple times um, researching for the bracket and I mean it's good um, but everything y'all both said kind of kind of holds up the highlight I would have liked how kind of world of color is with the with the water screen I think that was a huge missed opportunity especially since you know they did put a lot of money into the show apparently um, the pyrotechnics were great. Um, I mean, I like the song choices. I like how they kind of bring in the uh, world showcase theme with all the different languages singing the songs. That's that's why this one's so hard. I, I don't think it's really a dud thing. I just think it's too very good. Not excellent, but very good things. <laughs> but I'm going to move on Jungle Cruise. I, I really like that movie. And when it comes to harmonious, it's like Kyle said, I would, I'm going to probably go see it once all the way through. And then, you know, it's more than likely, I'm not going to like make it my sole mission to make sure I see harmonious again. All right, let's move across the bracket as Jungle Cruise moves on to the next episode. We have the number two magic keys versus number 15, Raya and the Last Dragon. We definitely did a Raya recap. Um, so you can listen to that and go check that one out because that was before uh, Jerry's gang, BGE for Jerry era, <laughs> uh, and on. and we've talked about magic keys elsewhere throughout the the show's entirety. It, it was news at one point, and we kind of briefly touched upon it. But magic key is the new annual pass system at Disneyland Resort. Uh, it was just as expensive as before. But now you have the hurdles of trying to reserve your spots. And as could have been anticipated, 
a lot of people bought these passes and Disney doesn't have that much space for them to to come to the parks. So what we're seeing is people with Magic Key passes of various tiers unable to actually use them because the park's reservation system is full for Magic Key holders. Now, they could definitely come to the park as non-Magic Key holders, but you're already paying upwards of like 1800 bucks a year and you're not able to get into the thing that you're paying for. Not a great look. So much so that a person, uh, a magic key holder is suing Disney currently for false advertisement, essentially, saying that they sold them under the pretense that these people would be able to get reservations and go to the park as as they wanted to if they can get the reservations, but didn't say that basically if you don't book three months in advance, you're not going to be able to go. And that's what we've seen during this holiday season is that there's just been such high demand because now we have all the APs back and they all want to go and you could have guessed that. So Disney responded to that lawsuit that has been like, we no, we the, read the fine print. Read, it's probably in there. And we're going to take this to a federal court because the class action lawsuit is going to be on the behalf of a California resident, but for all Magic Key pass holders who are from all various states. So they have to go to a federal court, which is just a really a judicial play by Disney to delay this and hopefully settle at the end of the day, which is what they tend to do with these lawsuits. So I doubt that we'll see anything, any sort of change out of it, but that person will probably get some money and magic key holders might too, uh, dollars maybe, but they'll, they'll get some sort of money. Ryan, the last dragon, uh, Disney film that came out only streaming. No, I saw it in theaters. You saw it in theaters. That's right. Uh, and it was met to like somewhat good reviews. I think that we both we liked it. Yeah. We liked it for what it was. Uh, another world building thing. Uh, it was fantastical, but not unrealistic. It was dealing with a lot of family issues. It was dealing with a lot of intrapersonal issues between these differing tribes who are of all the same people, and how this this our hero has to kind of unite them. Uh, with the help of Aquafina, and uh, and that's what I didn't like was Aquafina <laughs> because she annoys me. Um, but it was good. Uh, as I said in the review, I had to watch it one and a half times because I got interrupted and then had to put it on rewind because my fiance showed up. But it it was a solid solid movie. I still don't think it's the best of the the animated features on this bracket, but it was solid. Chris said this once upon a time on a bracket long, long ago that if you can't get into the thing, then what is the point of the thing? And that's what has been in my mind about Magic Key this entire time. If it's not, if you're not able to get into the parks, then why are you paying that much money? And it's not, I'm not blaming the the consumer here. It's Disney. They, they're screwing their customers out of an experience that has once upon a time not too long ago accessible to everyone obviously that hasn't always been the case chris and i have had some conversations on the side that like we can all complain about this reservation system all we want but when this place was first founded you had to pay for each individual ride so like don't come about them gouging us per ride with lightning lane plus and all that stuff like they've been doing that that was what this place was founded on 
It was a little bit cheaper back then, a lot cheaper, but it's still the same business model. They, they're going to make money. That's what they're here for. Just Magic Key is, it feels scammy. It feels like a lot of hurdles after you're already paying a lot of money to get into these parks. And me not being an annual pass holder at all anyways, that's not something that I would use or want in my current situation. So like by default, I have to go with the film that was accessible to me, literally came into my living room to watch the premiere as opposed to go to a theater. So I'm going to go right in The Last Dragon, Chris. Yeah, I mean, this is just this is just another brick in the wall. Yeah. This Magic Keys thing for just the way that people are are thinking about this company these days, particularly when it comes to parks. It's just like the general consensus seems to be that the experience is not good, or at least the bad things are much better than the good things are good. I don't like it. I, I've never been a fan of like a best subscription-based pricing models either. When they when those first came out, I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, this is this isn't gonna be good for anybody. Uh this is gonna you're, we're gonna get way too many people in on this. Um and people are really gonna be trying to get every dollar that they can out of it when they think about it in a kind of month to month type deal as opposed to an annual thing. It's beside the point. Uh I want to I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Final Fantasy 14, which is a uh, video game I've been playing a lot this <laughs> off season. This is this is kind of like the opposite response. So Final Fantasy 14 had a uh, expansion pack come out a couple weeks ago, Endwalker, and so I signed up for the game like a month ago uh, when they had when they delayed. There was a big announcement like they delayed the release of this expansion, and I was like, oh shoot, I didn't even know this game still existed. Like I thought it was a disaster uh, in like 2012 when it came out or something. But apparently there's like a free trial, and anyways, I signed up for the free <laughs> trial. Like I'm obsessed with this game, so I bought the game and I subscribed to it, and they released this expansion pack. And it was so popular that like it broke the whole game. Oh man. It like there was there was uh queues of like six thousand people to get on the game, uh, which is like you you basically have to wait like six plus hours just to log on. Uh and it's gotten so bad that they they have stopped selling the game. They were just like, There's too many people who want to play, so we cannot sell this game anymore. What? Like we can't welcome new players. Uh they're not selling the expansion pack to people that don't already have the base game. Um, and they are giving everyone f- free subscriptions, like until the queues die down to like a normal level where you can play the game whenever you want to. Wow. It's, it's at the point now where like you have to log on at like 7 a.m. when no one else is awake uh, and then just like keep your character in the game <laughs> until you can play later in the day. Like it's so excessive, but this is like the correct response, right? It's like, this is a long play for us. Like we want to keep people happy. The extra 10 bucks we're getting per month for your subscription uh, is not as valuable as the hundreds of dollars you might be spending the rest of your life playing this game. Yeah. So like, I wish Disney kind of had a similar uh, attitude towards its magic key holders, the people that have been around for a long time and hopefully will be around for a long time. Like give them a pleasurable part going experience, like keep them in the family. Don't, don't even let them think about going over to Knott's Berry Farm and checking out their system or checking out Magic Magic Mountain, you know, like SeaWorld San Diego is 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 popping off. So um I'm with you I'm with you on Raya. Magic Keys is it's a big thing that happened. I think since the the number 2 
spot on this bracket, but it's not good. It's bad. Michael, thoughts on that? So, yeah, I've only heard about all the magic key issues, obviously being in Orlando, because to be honest, we don't really have those issues when it comes to the annual passes. Um, I have not had a problem making a reservation other than like if I was blacked out for a certain date, but even then I don't even have that many blackout dates. So just hearing like kind of the opposite, like how it's been honestly complete opposite opinions of how things have gone between the passes. It's just, it's kind of mind blowing to me, especially with Chapek being the guy in charge because he was the parks guy. He's always been the parks guy. So, and it seems like we just keep getting more and more issues when it comes to the parks with his leadership. And that can obviously go down a huge rabbit hole and we could talk for a while on that, but yeah, um, it, Rye is definitely the right choice here. All right, let's uh, move on to the next matchup. It's number seven, Loki versus number 10, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure is a trackless dark ride in Epcot, the France Pavilion, that was planned for 2020 and then got delayed due to the park closure during the pandemic. And then they, like Kyle said, kind of shoehorned it into the uh, 50th celebration in the 2021 uh, attraction now. It includes a lot of like screen technology and 3D glasses. It, it's like the, the Pixar version of the Spider-Man ride at Islands of Adventure, where you get some, you get some physical effects and then you get the screen stuff too. Uh, this ride does not look very good. All right. This, this ride looks stupid. Ratatouille is not an adventure movie. So I don't know why they're trying to make... Uh, what Ratatouille adventure are you talking about? Stop trying Epcot? to make adventure happen. Stop, like, y'all, not everything is an adventure. Like, this is so frustrating. And, and uh, I get it. Like, we've talked about this a couple times now. It's a, it's a crowd control game. And Epcot is so concentrated in, in one little corner of the park where you have, like, the Frozen ride and test track and the Mexico pavilion with the, with the, um, three river. Yeah. That ride, the three caballeros ride. And then kind of like across the way is like Soren and living with the land. And that's like, that's all you really need to do at Epcot. Like those are really the only rides worth riding. You can check out mission space. If you want, you can check out the, Seas with Nemo and friends, if you want. <laughs> Obviously, you want to hop on Spaceship Earth, probably, but that's kind of like on your way in and out of the park. And then you have the whole world showcase, which like goes way out back there. And it's all just like shops and restaurants and like old ass movies. <laughs> so old and dated. And so Disney has to be like, how do we like how do we move people around a little bit? Like, let's spread the crowds throughout this park. And so France is kind of like at the polar opposite end of where most people like to hang out at Epcot. So they're like, oh, what, what do we got that's French? Oh, oh, we got Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, great movie. Beauty and the Beast. Great movie. Ratatouille. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. We, we, we got we to gotta get some Ratatouille up in this Epcot. What kind of ride should we let's do? A, let's do like a... Ratatouille's adventure. Hey, Jim, his name's Remy. His name's not Ratatouille. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Remy's Ratatouille adventure. Got it. Boom. Shipped Nailed it. it. 
Um, it's stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> Hate it. Don't want to ride it. I won't ride it. I will never ride this attraction. Not getting on it. I'm t- I'm t- I'm declaring that right now. Uh, I'm advancing Loki. Loki yeah. is maybe my favorite Marvel thing of all time. Um, Michael, have you been on Ratatouille? Have you been on Remy's Ratatouille adventure? Yes, sir. I have. Tell me about it. It's awful. Oh, it, it's it's not good. It really is not good. Um, I did not have high expectations going into it. Um, I have friends that work at um, Walt Disney World that gave me reviews on it, and they're every single one of them was the same. It's cute. It's all right. But not not one person said, oh, my gosh, this is such an adventure ride. I definitely want to go on this every single time I ever go to Epcot. And so when I went on it, um, I went on it with the former co-host, Emily, um, and another friend of ours. And, I mean, it's like a adventure through the kitchen of Gusto's. <laughs> the queue is better than the ride. Adventure through inner kitchen. Yeah, I mean, basically, so you're you're in the ride vehicle, and then there's just all the 3D screens around you, and Chef Skinner is chasing you around the kitchen. That's the ride. Yeah, I I was highly disappointed, but I hope that everybody goes on that ride when they go to Epcot, so that I can go jump on Frozen, <laughs> and that line won't be so long. And That's right. It's not even the best thing that they added to the French Pavilion because they added a Beauty and the Beast sing-along where they used to do the um, Impressions de France oh. uh, show. So, And that is actually pretty good. I agree with all of you that it is low-key. Um, and we can talk about it more next episode because it's definitely moving on. Uh, let's move on to this next matchup. It is number three, Luca versus number 14, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was a Disney Plus Marvel series in which we now see what has happened post-Snap, post-Endgame to Falcon and to Bucky. And we get a little bit more character development out of Bucky. We definitely get a lot more out of Falcon. Uh, And this is when Falcon takes the throne as the new Captain America, which is kind of dope. It was a it was cool to see that transformation. It was cool to see that reveal at the very end with his like new costume and he can still fly and is doing all that stuff, but also wields the the power of the shield. And we also got to see what happens when someone f- is faking being a hero. And that's this the fake super soldier. Um, I just know him as John. I don't remember his last name, but he was the the Captain America that they tried to force upon us. And, and it was he played a very good villain like he poor guy has a very punchable face and he played it up as like a douchebag. So he sold the role as the villain. We wanted him to lose and we wanted Bucky and, and our boy Falcon to win. And they did in the end. And now we're going to see how that transpires. But for the most part, that series kind of flew under the radar. It also came out, I believe after WandaVision. So you don't, you get the hype of WandaVision, you get into this more like, moody dark falcon and then you get into the more playful and mysterious loki and falcon kind of just shows up 
in, in, in it all. And it's not something that we necessarily talk a whole lot about. I'm sure that it's going to play a huge part in where we go from here. But um, as far as what happened this year, it was definitely not the the best of the three Marvel series that we have on this bracket, if you don't count what if. It's up against Luca. We've talked a lot about Luca recently, and it's going to be Luca moving on for me here because I think that that was a movie that beat expectations. It was heartfelt. It was fun. It was semi-adventurous. It was in a Pixar style that wasn't hyper-realistic, that kind of got back to their you know, fantasy roots of of exploring human connection. And when I remember when we saw this, the previews of it and we saw the animation style and what these characters were going to look like, we're like, "Uh oh, this might be a little too goofy. This might not be the greatest. And it was one of the top movies of the summer for me. I loved Luca. Uh, we've said it over and over again. I think it was a better uh piece of work than the series Falcon and Winter Soldier was. So I'm going to move on, Luca. Um, I did not watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, there you so go. So I don't really have anything to say about it. <laughs> um, I, I'm really confused whenever Julia Louis-Dreyfus shows up in things nowadays because I think she showed up in that at one point yeah. towards the end. But yep. um, yeah, other than that, I... Def- Nothing to say about it, so it's Luca for me too. Uh, Michael, are you good with us sending uh, Bucky and Falcon home? I don't like Captain America, and I love Luca. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Uh, My man. Um, all right, the final matchup. Number six seed Avengers Campus versus number 11 Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, uh, Avengers Campus. Yeah. So, so this opened in July. No, June, June. early June. And I like without planning it ended up going the week after it's opening weekend. So I was like one of the first people to attend and there was like a line of people to get into Avengers campus when I was there, but we got, boarding group number like six or something on web slingers. So we got to just go straight into the, the Avengers campus. Um, and I was like, wow, this is super universal studios. <laughs> this land, like this feels not Disney. Um, I, I, what is the Avengers camp? I mean, Avengers campus is sort of depicted in, like some of the Avengers movies, but it's like a, it's like a Apple campus. It's like amongst the redwood trees in like a big glass box, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a satellite campus for them to train in plain sight. Right. So like what, like where, where are we right now in Avengers campus? Like I, I think, and I'm positive that we are in DCA Anaheim, California, because we get the reference in Guardians of the Galaxy when the doors open up. Rocky Raccoon says, wait, is that Disneyland? So he knows where we are, that this tower exists in Disneyland. When you're on Web Slingers, you escape out of DCA and go into the streets of Anaheim, subsequently LA. So I'm certain that this we are in 
Anaheim. We are at the Disneyland Resort and there happens to be a campus there. I hate that. I hate it a lot. Sure. Um, that is like big Eisner energy. Um, yeah. that, like, like I was, I was nervous when after the pandemic happened, they were like, we're going full speed ahead with this. I was like, this means that it's probably kind of a low budget experience. It definitely feels like a, an area more than like a land quote unquote. It's definitely half done. They get there's They were planning an e-ticket Avengers Quinjet attraction. And then they just said, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll get around to adding something else there one day. But right now, all we're left with is Mission Breakout, which we have had for a while now. Uh, we've got the new Web Slingers attraction, which I think is pretty not fun. I mean, it's not just like underwhelming. It's just generally like not very fun to go on. It's not a fun time. I got Tommy John surgery from <laughs> Web Slingers. Like my whole, my whole elbow got jacked up. Yeah. Trying to sling my webs too hard. You got a gift shop, obviously. You've got the PIM test kitchen, which serves giant food that you can't get because the mobile ordering system's so jacked up. <laughs> and then you've got some like uh, a, a Dr. Strange Sanctum of Sanatorium or something. What it, I don't know what it's called, but it just looks like maybe a photo op plus it's like a, a streetmosphere show. Yep. And then you've got the Avengers like waving to you behind behind ter- like fences, whatever. It's fine. It's COVID. Um, I like waving to people. We all know this. <laughs> and then like really the best part about the whole land is the Spider-Man show that they do on top of the Web Slingers attraction. It's like a stunt. It's like a little mini stunt show. And then they launch the dope animatronic into the air. And that is tight. Yeah, that's dope. Um, but other than that, like, I like Avengers. I'm not like an Avengers hater. I watch all of the Avengers thing. I'm not a fanboy, but I like Avengers. And I walked through there and I was like, this isn't doing anything for me at all. It just feels like kind of like a watered down Avengers. You know, we're like, okay, when we get like a full on Wakanda, yeah, you have my money. Like, right. give me a full on Asgard, you have my money. So. I, I did not enjoy the Avengers campus very much. Shang-Chi in the Ten Rings uh, is a movie that came out in September, October. Uh, I just got around to watching it on when it came to Disney Plus the end of uh, November, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. I liked the the characters. Aquafina was, was good in this movie. I really liked Aquafina in this. Uh, she was a great kind of like friend character to kind of be like the vessel for the audience in this uh, crazy adventure we were going on. Uh, the humor was good. It was, it was subtle, I thought, um, but on brand for her still. Uh, I liked the action. There were a lot of homages, I believe, to various uh, martial arts directors. Uh, there was a little bit of Jackie Chan in the bamboo scaffolding fight. There was a little Jet Li in the forest fight scene between uh, Shang-Chi's parents. Um, and I even noticed some uh, uh, Chanwook Park, a uh, hmm. little, little like homage to Old Boy, the, the original Korean version of Old Boy. 
and the bus in the bus fight scene when when it was like the side shot and it was kind of like uh kind of like a long shot of of shang chi fighting from the side uh, yeah check out the hammer ch- check out uh, like youtube hammer fight scene old boy and like your mind will be blown it's like one <laughs> of the greatest scenes in movie history it's so good uh, yeah it's shang chi for me for sure avengers campus was disappointing and shang chi was a movie that was not so it's advancing yeah i think i agree with you when you say that it was it felt very universal avengers campus uh we brought that up in our trip reports that we did uh, especially the web slingers queue felt very even six flags at times i think that if it was i mean dca has this identity problem right and disneyland gets galaxy's edge and you're in a whole new world you're in a completely different place and ultra themed and incredible facades and everyone's bought into the storylines there and avengers campus is plopped right into the middle of the park and it feels like you're i mean it's a campus which could just be a cop-out but it feels like you're walking through just a normal city street almost and that just doesn't feel that kind of like disney quality especially after they try to reinvent dca in 2012 and retheme their entire Buena Vista Street and give Pixar Pier an actual theme and and insert IP into it. Feels like they threw a bunch of buildings up in Avengers Campus and and kind of called it a day. And then of course, I mean here's Disney again opening lands half ready. It's the same problem with Galaxy's Edge. There was only one ride available and people were kind of like, "Yeah, it was cool." But there's like an e-ticket that we're waiting for. Why not just wait until the e-ticket is ready? So it was super lackluster. Shang-Chi was not. It was very good. Uh, I agree with you on all fronts there, which means, Michael, Shang-Chi moves past Avengers Campus, which rounds out our our first round of 16 here. How you feel? What do you think about what we've gotten so far? I like where it's going. Pretty excited to uh, see what's next. To recap what we've gotten this time in round one, we're going to pick it up next week with the number one seed Walt Disney World's 50th Celebration versus number nine Encanto. Number four, WandaVision versus number 12, Jungle Cruise. Number 15, Riot and the Last Dragon versus number seven, Loki. And number three, Luca versus number 11, Shang-Chi. I'm just out here. I can't wait for the Luki Loka, Mac. <laughs> the Loka Luki. Luca Loki matchup. Shoot, I'm already messed. <laughs> Loco, Loco Luca match. We all know. We already know Luca's going loco out there somewhere, right? Oh goodness! Oh goodness! Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Michael, for joining us uh, to recap 2021. Look forward to talking to you again next week. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really exciting stuff. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. Do you have something to say about the year that was 2021? Did we miss something super duper memorable? Uh, We would absolutely love to hear from you. Email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All of those are linked in the description of this podcast. If you would like to support us on Patreon, please head to patreon.com slash Mouse Madness, uh, we would love uh, to have you there as a member of Jerry's gang. Till next time, folks, 
save save the save the Kumandra for your mama. Save the drama for Kumandra. One of those will work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. You see it true.